Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. going on guys welcome to id podcast thank you for joining us and if this is your first episode with us welcome yeah we won't uh we'll try not to scare you off (laughs) (laughs) if you're a return listener thank you for not being scared off yeah thank you and we have a, a fun and very helpful episode i think chase and i learned a lot and for you today and uh today we interviewed russell Baxter, and he is a licensed professional counselor that runs Foundations Counseling in Grapevine, Texas. And he's created a curriculum for both couples and counselors to help navigate finances in your relationship. And he's currently wrapping up his first book, Sharing Your Heart, Sharing Your Treasure, uh, which we talk uh, a lot about today. Finances are a tricky one. Sarah and I definitely have had our arguments and disagreements <laughs> uh, around finances. And it's an area where I, I'd say it's probably like the area where we 
are trying to do the most work where yeah. it's tricky, you know, and Russell gives us some great tools for having a conversation around finance. I mean, that's just an important thing because it's such a loaded thing. We come into that conversation with a a lot of emotions around money, just from the way we grew up, uh, different attachment things that you might not even yourself understand. So it's important to understand that for yourself and then understand it from your partner's perspective and come into those conversations with all that in mind. And on top of that, forming a budget and having a discussion around that. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds... <laughs> the scary word, budget. Yeah, it's, it's not, <laughs> but it's, it's so not necessary. Fun. It sounds so grown up, but it's important. And, and it'll save you a lot of frustration in your relationship, no matter what stage you're at, especially if it's early, Maybe not, you know, you're going on your second date, but you, you're living together. You are combining your finances. There's a lot of important things to consider. So this is an important episode and, uh, one that I know Sarah and I learned a lot that we'll be applying and hopefully you guys can too. We hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Russell, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Russell, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work. Why don't you take a minute and tell us why you enjoy the work that you do, and then we'll jump in and talk about how we can navigate finances and communication in our relationship. Well, I started out um, doing counseling because I love just helping people, and I've found a knack for working with couples because I love being able to help them communicate with each other and be able to share their hearts with each other um, and be able to work through their wounds and their past and be able to actually, in the end, heal each other. Um, And the real thing that called me to, the real reason I was called to work with money um, and marriage is just because of the impact that it had in my marriage. When my wife and I first got married, uh, I had tons of student loans, obviously, with being a counselor and getting a master's degree. And, uh, so she, and she didn't have any student loans. And so it, it was, you know, me with all of my debt and her with no debt. Uh, we, we kind of worked through it in the first year and we ended up being able to pay off everything in the first year working together. And it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to our marriage because it forced us to communicate. It forced us to work on a plan, uh, and it, for, and it, you know, forced us to work towards something together as a team. And I realized, man, everybody needs to go through this. Everybody needs to um, experience this. And so I I started also seeing in my practice that there was a lot of things that were connected to money. Um, It's one of the main reasons for divorce in our country today. And I figured, well, why aren't we addressing this more? So uh, I started writing a book. Yeah. Money and finances seem to be tied to the way we are brought up there, you know, uh, there's elements of control and it's a lot more complicated than just dollars and cents. <laughs> and then when, absolutely, and, and as an individual, and then you bring a partnership together and, uh, a friend of mine said, uh, early on in one of my early businesses that partnerships are leaky ships. <laughs> and when it comes to partnerships with other people in business, and it's so true. And a lot of times I came to find out, find out it was true. And a lot of times it's because you're not on the same page as your partner. And I'm talking about this in a purely uh, non relationship sense that if you're, if you're just, if I'm a business partner with a friend of mine from down the street, because there's so many elements involved in communication being a huge one and humans just don't seem to do that great. And that's why, you know, the saying partnerships can be leaky ships because there's a breakdown in communication or one partner thought, Hey, I thought I was a majority stakeholder in the business and you never even discussed it. And, and so then you put that in the, in a, relationship, whether it's a marriage or a long-term committed relationship, 
and you have all these other other elements of love and family and kids and and everything that goes into relationship and things can go south pretty fast. So why don't yeah, we yeah. why don't we talk about how we can better navigate finances in a relationship and and as you say like this is going to help the relationship as a whole outside of specifically finances. Absolutely. Well, and that was I love being efficient and I love uh, being able to make complicated problems more simple. And so when I started, to, I started to see that, you know, if we, if we're having trouble with communication, intimacy, um, dreaming together, uh, and sharing our passions together, well, if we focus on money, then we're able to focus on all of those things at the same time. And I use, um, I use actually a budget to, as a tool for opening up communication in marriage, because, you have to sit down and you have to go over every transaction. You have to agree on how much we're going to spend in every category. And it forces those, those conversations to be had instead of just avoiding them. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting kind of like homework, like just to kickstart mm-hmm. things, it's mm-hmm. like form a budget and talk about it. <laughs> and, but it, Easier said yeah, than well, done, right? I tell right? people it's very messy. You know, I mean, it is going to be messy because, like you said, if we're we have, even though we're married or even though we're in a relationship together, there's still going to be my own personal interest in my mind, and so I'm constantly going to be battling my selfishness. I'm constantly going to be battling my own um, selfish interests that are trying to get me to uh, look out for number one and being in. Uh, being in a relationship, but you can't do that. You ha- you have to consider the whole and not just the individual. And money forces us to face those problems. And if you're unwilling to change or unwilling to adapt to that, that's where we face a lot of the problems uh, that we see just in marriage today. Uh, is an unwillingness to adapt to uh, being in a partnership and a team. And I'm just curious along those lines, just because there are so many couples that are coming into a relationship or a marriage with student loans, um, with your relationship, if you don't mind sharing, how did that work? Did your wife chip in to pay for some of your student loans or was that something that uh, you did yourself? How did you kind of manage that situation? Because I'm sure there's a lot of couples that are in that same boat. Sure. Well, the the best uh, the first thing that I even picked up in with the way you talked about it was uh, in the pronouns, right? We, we never called it my student loans. We called it our student loans because they were our student loans now. You know, because we are married, it's our problem, not just my problem. And that's the first thing that I tell a lot of couples is don't make this one individual's issue. Yeah, did they bring it into the marriage? Absolutely. But you knew about that most of the time before you got married. And, and so, you know what you signed up for. And so it is now your problem. And so that was the first thing my wife continually showed me grace. She continually showed me patience. This wasn't, man, we got to keep spending our, my money on your problem. Uh, <laughs> Cause that would have caused me to have shame and, and want to shut down or, um, you know, lose interest in doing any of this. And so the, you know, when we started to use, um, possessive plural pronouns like our problem, our money, um, that really combined us as a team. Um, and the next thing was, is, well, it really started out, luckily, where I had already had a career. I was already working as a counselor when we got married. And so we were already used to living off of my salary. And my wife was just finishing nursing school. And so she got a job as a nurse right as we started committing to doing this. And so we said, okay, we're not going to spend it. We're not going to adjust our lifestyle in the slightest. We're going to just lit, take all of her money, all of the money that she is earning. And we're going to put it towards debt. Um, and that was, you know, being able to sacrifice together, being able to say no together um, really, really helped. But we both had to agree to do that. First thing, you know, she, one person couldn't just make a unilateral decision and say, you know, we're going to do this and I don't care what you have to say about this, you know, and we had to work as a team. Let's talk about a place for a couple to start. It seems like 
depending on where you're at in your relationship, if it's a newer relationship, then you're not necessarily sharing finances, but it could still be important to communicate about money. But rather than focusing on that, because many of our listeners are in more committed relationships or marriages, let's talk about a couple who has had the conversation, agreed that they are going to share finances. Now, obviously, there's a lot of ways that can look, but they're going to share finances. Then are there any important things to have in that discussion about how we're going to combine our finances? And then we can move forward to talk about budgeting and next steps after that. Absolutely. And I and logistically speaking, and just from my own experience in my counseling practice, Combining your finances is a must. Um, not just not because you can't be successful otherwise and doing it other ways. I know plenty of people who are financially successful with two different or three or four different checking accounts, and they somehow manage it all. Um, but I've also seen plenty of marriages that fall apart because of secret spending, um, affairs, different things that are enabled because of having our money separate. You know where we can start to uh, keep things from each other and we have secrets. And so I, I normally always just encourage them to combine their finances by talking about, you know, we want to have how many, how do we want to lay out our checking accounts? Normally I recommend just having one checking account because one is always simpler than two and there's a lot less to look at. There's a lot less to worry about. Um, and it provides a greater opportunity for accountability when when we both have to look at our transactions, when we both have to look at uh, where we spent our money, there is an openness and a vulnerability for accountability in that relationship that wouldn't be there otherwise. Because um, it, 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 it just complicates things to have more than one account. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be done, and I know it can, and I know it can be financially successful, but the main point about my book is not necessarily about financial success, but it is about connecting more deeply in an emotional way with your, your spouse or your, your significant other. And, um, so to, to answer your question, more to the point, we need to, uh, talk about the logistics and say, you know, what is important to us? Is there, is it really important to us to have all of these, uh, accounts together in one account? Uh, if it's not, then I would really want to have a conversation as to what makes us uncomfortable about that. For some people, it's a, it's a trust issue. I don't, um, especially with remarried couples who have been hurt before in divorce, they, they have a reluctancy to want to combine their finances with somebody else again. Uh, and I can understand that, but if we have trouble trusting with our money, then there's probably somewhere else in our relationship that we're having trouble trusting too. Because if you really trust somebody completely, then you can trust them with your money as well. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you mentioned, for some people, having separate accounts works for them. But like you mentioned, it, at the end of the day, communication is what is most important. So if they do choose to have a separate account, because that's what works for their relationship, they need to make sure that they are communicating almost more than the couple that has that combined account and has access to uh, each other's spending, for example. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that was the main thing is that, yeah, if you're going to have separate checking accounts, then you do need to talk a lot more often because they can't see and may, they may have access to the account, um, but they're, they're not going to be checking it every day. Um, and so there is a lot more communication required. And so in, in some sense, it's just about efficiency. One is always easier than two. And I would much rather just have it be simple and clean uh, and less complicated. Uh, I feel like finances in general work and life in general work a lot better when things are simple and clean and neat. Let's talk a little bit about how we as individuals can have different emotional connections to money and then how bringing that into the relationship, into the budget can create negative uh, consequences. Absolutely. I, I, I am a big advocate for emotional intelligence and and I, I love being able to give couples a language to be able to communicate on a deeper level um, because most of us stay kind of stuck on the surface where we are using words like frustrated, upset, annoyed, bothered, uh, that don't really communicate anything to our spouse or significant other. And 
and, and it leaves them wondering how to fix it. They, they are kind of going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change. All I know is that I'm annoying you. And there's three main negative emotions that I've seen correlated with money. And that would be anxiety, shame, and sadness. It's, and I break those up into smaller categories in the book, but, uh, you know, anxiety even in itself is not really a very specific word because I can say I'm anxious to go. I'm anxious for this weekend and you might ha- still have, you might still struggle to know what I'm saying. Um, but because I could be excited to go to Six Flags or I could be uh, anxious or worried about having to go hang out with family. And, you know, and so it could be one way or the other. And so I like to give couples a, a chance to connect with their emotional relationship with money. And so, for instance, some people, they have a very strong shame response with money either because they aren't, they don't feel like they're producing enough. Uh, they don't feel like they contribute enough to the family. They don't feel like they have succeeded enough. Um, There's a lot of inadequacy, uh, conviction. Like some people have really strong shame responses because they know they're doing something unethical with money and they become defensive and it creates a lot of very strong arguments when we try to even broach the subject about money. Uh, And and most people don't realize that they're having these feelings uh, or they can't really communicate it very well. And so they, they struggle to be able to share that with their spouse. Um, for me personally, in my own in my own life, I I, I struggled with feedback and criticism um, because it, it created a shame response in me. And so every time my wife would, you know, um, want to correct me or tell me, "Hey, you're you're spending too much in this category," uh, or you're you know you're being a little too impulsive with money, I would get defensive because I'm experiencing shame uh, at that moment, and I'm and I don't like it, and she's the one that's causing me to have it. Uh, and so I would lash out and I'd be angry, but I wasn't really angry. I was more, I was ashamed. And as soon as I was able to communicate that to her, she knew that she needed to approach the topic a little differently. She knew how to, uh, you know, she started out with a positive, um, and she ended with, an, uh, ended with a correction and I was better able to better able to respond and change too. Yeah, it's it's amazing how money and finances can elicit these strong feelings and, and emotions just from like really strong. And then that's why uh, couples inevitably are going to argue over this uh, a lot of times and it becomes mm-hmm. an issue. And because we have these very individual relationships with money that go much deeper, like you said, these anxiety, shame and sadness, then, than just uh, the surface level uh, dollars, you know, it's not just a number. There's a lot under there. And it seems like a good place to start is to examine introspectively your relationship with money. And that way, you can communicate that to your partner and and hopefully your other partner can do that too. And now you guys are going to be operating on a level where you both have an understanding of how to communicate around it. And in that when your partner says something, it's not coming from a place that is designed to attack you and make you feel shameful about maybe not being the main provider for the family. But, and, and you mentioned the, positive communication, giving a positive before you criticize. And it's so important. It seems, it almost seems like it could be not trivial, but we don't think about these things. And that's why a lot of times it it can boil up and and create frustration and anger and resentment in a relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we look at, um, when we look at our are, are you know having these conversations? I kind of lay out this roadmap in the book, where we start by just talking about our principles. What is important to us? What is okay and what is not okay? And a lot of couples are not having these conversations uh, unless they've gone to some really in-depth in marriage, pre-marriage counseling uh, ahead of time. You know, because we need to identify what's our relationship with money and family. Are we going to let our family borrow money? Are we not going to let them borrow money? Are we going to, how are we going to give our kids money? Um, are we, what's our relationship going to look like with debt? Are we okay with having debt? Are we not okay with having debt? These are all things that 
need to be understood and agreed upon and, and really uh, connected with because they impact all of the decisions that you're going to make moving forward. And so if, if debt is not something that you're comfortable with, if you're not okay with risk, then, you know, it's important for you and your, your spouse to be able to connect with that and say, yeah, we are going to avoid debt at all costs. Um, and, but you know, on the other side, you may be okay with it. And, uh, but within certain restrictions and we have to find those limitations and agree on those two. And, re- and really it's just about having intentional conversations about our, what's in our heart and what's, what scares us about money, what worries us about money, um, and be able to find solutions together as a team. So obviously having those conversations can stir up a lot of, um, you know, emotions and can cause mm-hmm. uh, arguments or disagreements uh, at the moment. Do you have any tools, uh, specific tools for navigating arguments when it comes to finances? But first, we want to tell you a little bit about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by JJ Virgin's seven-day stop, drop, and swap challenge. As we've mentioned over the past few episodes, the seven-day challenge is designed to help you stop classic symptoms of food intolerance and drop up to seven pounds in seven days by swapping out seven problem foods for healthy, tasty alternatives. And if you don't remember, the seven problem foods are gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, peanuts, corn, and sweeteners. Those sound like they can give you some problems, maybe in the waist, maybe in (laughs) the belly. Probably, (laughs) yep. Today is day one of our second challenge, and we got some awesome feedback from you guys that in the last challenge, you were feeling less bloated, your skin was looking better, you felt less tired. Sounds like we're talking about you and I. (laughs) (laughs) So we've decided to do another challenge for those of you who didn't join us in the first go around. If this is the first time you've heard about the seven-day JJ Virgin Challenge, it involves swapping out problem foods like cow's milk and bread for healthier versions like coconut milk and lettuce wraps. You also drink two delicious smoothies a day plus one traditional meal. They offer tons of recipes and they also provide free guides to help you adapt the challenge if you're vegan, paleo, or feeding a large family. Lettuce wraps are great for sandwich substitute, but maybe not PB&J lettuce wrap. (laughs) No, probably not. (laughs) Stella won't like that. No. We would love for you guys to join us on round two of this free challenge. It's only seven days, so it's super easy. No excuses, right? No excuses. Yes. (laughs) If you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. Go to jjvirgin.com forward slash I do to join the free challenge. Again, that's jjvirgin.com forward slash I do. Today's episode is also sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship. We started I Do Podcast to get information to improve our own relationship. We thought at the very least we'll be able to do that and then to share it with our listeners. The guests are great and we've gotten a ton of valuable information, but we found that if we don't actually deliberately take the time to implement the strategies and tools that our guests give us, we weren't seeing the real lasting benefits that we desired in our relationship. And that's why we created the Spark My Relationship course. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a comprehensive relationship course that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to execute it. By enrolling in the online course, you'll have access to the same strategies and tools that marriage therapists teach their clients, including therapists taught video lessons with workbooks and exercises to help you work towards accomplishing your relationship goals in less than 90 days. You'll also learn how to detox unhelpful relationship habits and learn healthy ways to interact. You'll learn how to disagree respectfully and communicate mindfully, as well as how to improve intimacy and reignite your sex life and so much more. Spark My Relationship isn't just a course for struggling couples. It's a course for couples who want to see their relationship flourish. If this is you, 
then you are a perfect fit for the course. So for a special offer for our I Do Podcast listeners, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Again, for 30% off the course, plus special bonuses just for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Sure, absolutely. Arguments are essential to having a constructive marriage. I mean, you... I always kind of get a little bothered when I hear couples that say, oh yeah, we never fight. And I'm thinking, well, you know, <laughs> you must be the exact same person. Yeah. <laughs> mo- uh, or you're just not talking about something that, you know, talking about what's important um, because construct arguments are uh, what makes us better people. We, when we disagree and we've come to a conclusion, we find a compromise uh, that makes our relationship stronger. It makes us as a couple stronger. Um, but what, what most people struggle with is making it a constructive argument. They tend to, it t- the arguments tend to devolve into name calling or bringing up the past or, uh, you know, poking fun at each other, uh, or just shaming each other in general. And that's not constructive. That's just, that's just cathartic. And, um, it doesn't really help the relationship in the slightest. And so what I tend to tell people is the first and foremost is is you want to try to keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and you want to, you want to really emphasize, you know, whatever the topic was that we started in this conversation is the the topic we need to end on. Um, Because most of our arguments, you know, for instance, if my wife came to me and said, Hey, you don't help enough with the dishes. And I can, and and if I'm not willing to own that, uh, if I'm not willing to recognize that, then I'm going to try to deflect or I'm going to create a different topic and say, well, you know, at least I don't do such and such. And uh, and then she's probably going to take that bait because she's going to be defensive. And uh, then she's going to bring up something about, you know, my family or, you know, something else I've done in the past and maybe throw in an always or a never. And it just becomes this escalating tantrum that the two of us are having. And we're not really talking about the dishes anymore. We're talking about all of our past hurts or our past resentments. Uh, and it becomes very, very messy at that point. And so I try to help them focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing. So even if we know we're going to have a tough conversation, I would even encourage people to write it down on a piece of paper before we even get into this conversation uh, and say, this is what we need to really focus on. You know, no deflections, no rationalizations, no justifications. Two rights or two wrongs don't make a right, um, and we need to stay focused on what we're doing. So, and so that way we can actually fix it. Um, and the second part that I would tell people is to be quick to own your part of the problem and to apologize, because in every every problem in marriage, there's two parts. Now, they're not necessarily always proportional or congruent. Um, some people own more of the problem than the other, but there's normally two parts to every problem. And so it's important when we are having these arguments for you to, it's, it's, it, it's easier, it's cleaner, it's neater. It, it makes the arguments go so much better when all you have to do is say, you know, I did do that. I'm sorry. An apology. Oh my gosh. An apology is one of the most effective tools in marriage uh, that we don't, it's the most underutilized tool in marriage um, to and or in relationships to really smooth things over. Uh, it's not always easy. It does take a lot of practice because we got to swallow our pride. We have to own the fact that we made mistakes, but in the end uh, it validates our, our significant other's feelings and makes them realize, you know, they're not crazy, that they're not being too sensitive. They're not, uh, they're not being nagging or anything like that, that, you know, that really did happen. And I really did do that. And I'm sorry. And, um, those are just two of the things I have a few other in the book, but, uh, I don't want to take all your time. (laughs) Those, just those two exercises are so valuable when talking about finances, but as you mentioned, anything in the relationship and it's amazing how you get into an argument and you start 
or even not an argument, but it, 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 you could be addressing something and it quickly escalates to an argument. And now suddenly you're talking about, well, you never clean the dishes and it started with something completely opposite. So having the a constructive argument where you keep the main thing, the main thing is, is super valuable. And then apologizing and owning your part, even if it, not even if you're wrong, because it's not about right or wrong, like remembering that you're on the same team and that can just diffuse the situation so fast. Maybe you feel like your partner's in the wrong and they've come at you with something and you're in, you like, you know what? I'm sorry. And you, you're validating your feelings. I'm sorry that you feel that way about that. Like just that simple statement can de-escalate it and you guys can have a, a much more constructive and mindful conversation rather than an escalating argument. Exactly. Yeah. I normally tell clients all the time, a lot of you, you tend to have to make a choice. Do you want to be right all the time or do you want to be married? <laughs> because you, you can't normally do both and, um, and st- continue to stay married. And, and, the, and, and but the one thing that I really get people that really tends to hook people in these kind of problems is the, the, the topic of intention. You know, why well, didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to hurt her. Or I didn't mean to, for it to come out that way. And, and, just because they didn't mean to do it doesn't disqualify the fact that it happened. And, and that's where a lot of, especially uh, some of my male clients, they, they really struggle with the fact that, you know, I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. You know, I didn't mean for her to take it that way, but the fact that she did get hurt and the fact that it did happen, um, you know, doesn't invalidate her pain. It, it, it actually, we need to recognize the fact that it did happen. You know, I use the illustration all the time of, um, you know, just because you didn't mean to have a car accident doesn't mean that you won't hurt somebody. And it, it could be completely accidental and completely, in, um, you know, you didn't, you had no intention of, you know, crashing your car that day, but it did happen. And we have to apologize or own the fact that it did happen. Um, and, and I, and I tend to try to tell the other person, you know, if we want to give this, we need to give this person the most generous assumption possible that, they didn't try to do this with malicious intent, but they were really just using the tools that they had at the time. Uh, and maybe this is how they were raised. I mean, this is how they were taught how marriage is supposed to work uh, or how relationships are supposed to function. And it's just, they're doing the best with what they have. And so when we recognize that just because you didn't mean to do this, or just because you didn't mean to hurt this person, doesn't mean that it isn't, doesn't hurt. Uh, yeah, I would, I would like to stress that even more because whenever Chase and I are in an argument and we both try to do this, but you know, we try to give the other person the benefit of the doubt and and really try to understand where they're coming from and and know that there wasn't malicious intent there because what 99% of the time you're not trying to hurt your partner. So, really being mindful of that and and trying to really focusing on that before you have a response really can make a huge difference. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that tends to escalate arguments so, uh, so much, so much further is because it hurts me to think that you have this opinion of me that I would intentionally want to hurt you. And uh, it hurts my feelings that you would think of me that way. And because, you know, when we respond to somebody like they've been malicious, you know, it takes me back. And then now I'm assuming you're being malicious now. And and it just continues to escalate. But if I know with deep down in my heart that my wife would never do anything to hurt me and that if she's doing this, she must have a reason for it. And I need to understand that reason. Um, you know, maybe she's stressed, maybe she had a long day. It doesn't make it okay, but it does make it to where it's a little less painful because she's not just going out of her way to hurt me. She's, She's just trying to act out her own pain and trying to figure it out and trying to understand how she feels. Um, and the more we are able to have constructive conversations about that, uh, and that includes me being assertive and saying, hey, it's not okay for you to take your day out on me and to be stressed and uh, to yell at me because um, I didn't do anything because it hurts my feelings. And I have to be assertive like that, but to... Um, not do damage and to actually build our relationship as opposed to tear it down. 
So one of the areas that in regards to maybe it's almost more on the finance side, but it very much has to do with our relationship is Sarah and I will get stuck sometimes when we're going over the budget and we talk about these emotional connections that we have with money, these deep-seated things. And what I say sometimes is is the numbers don't lie. So even though Sarah or myself might feel a certain way about being controlled because because we have to set a a certain budget for each other, um, at the end of the day, the numbers <laughs> are the numbers. So as much as I would like you know Sarah to to have a million dollars to spend every month on on what it is that she wants to independently we have to budget as a team and that's where i guess i'm i'm bringing this up because that's where actually digging into the numbers and having a budget that that's in a spreadsheet that's itemized just a classic budget in that communicating around that that's where it's really valuable not as a tool to be like hey i told you so or to put pressure on your partner but to be like right. we can argue about this until we're blue in the face but here are the numbers that we have to work with so if we're going to have a hopefully a constructive conversation let's have it around these cold hard facts and not your opinion on how much we should go out to eat or i mean that's kind of a factor but if we do that within the framework of here is what we have to work with then it's just going to be a much more constructive um discussion absolutely well and and one of the things that makes those conversations so difficult is that a lot of couples don't have long-term and short-term goals for their money and so they have nothing outside of the present to um to work towards and so to them it's just like well why can't i spend this money now um and i in the book i call it a transcendent priority it's something outside of myself that helps me to say no in the present it's something that helps me to say you know i don't need that coffee today because we're actually working towards this savings goal or we're working towards something else and i'm the spender of the family so i i'm not a i'm not a a nerdy person who loves spreadsheets. I like to spend money. And so for me to learn, I, I used to have the same perspective that you said about budgets, that it's controlling me. But I, I realized that in every situation in life, I need moderation. I need to say no. I need to be controlled a little bit. And I need parameters. We all love structure. We all need structure and, and we thrive in it. Um, and so when I started to see that the budget was not necessarily a prison but it was a structure that will help me succeed and to thrive. I, I actually had a totally different uh, attitude towards it. Um, I didn't resent it anymore. I actually uh, wanted to work towards it. Um, and so, you know, for instance, I encourage couples to, you know, as, if we figured out what's important to us, um, you know, maybe paying for your kids' colleges or something that's really important for you. And that's great. And we need to have that goal. But then we need to figure out how do we make that happen by doing some math. Well, if we need to put in an extra $400 a month into this 529 plan and um, to be able to pay for kids college, well, then where do we need to find that money? Well, most of the people that I meet with, they're eating out way too much uh, and they're bleeding money either at gas stations or Starbucks or in small little transactions. and, and, And they don't even know that they're doing it most of the time. And so just paying attention to that and having a purpose behind it. It's not just because we want to keep you from spending money. No, we want to send our kids to college debt free. Uh, when we can provide a purpose behind it, it makes the sacrifice a little more tolerable. So let's say someone is going over their budget and, um, I'll just use Chase and I as an example. I want to be mm-hmm. able to budget this amount on for this item and Chase doesn't agree with that amount of money. How do you then decide on that budget so that it works for, for both of you? Well, I guess it goes back to Chase's point. As if you, the first thing would be, do you have the money? Right. Uh, if you if you don't have the money, then the point is moot. You know we don't we we don't really unless it's like obviously a necessity like utilities or right. uh, your mortgage or um, food. 
But if it's if it's a luxury item, then we do need to compromise on it, you know. And so, for instance, in my home, we have a fun money category. It's a category that you get to do whatever you want with this money every month, no questions asked, um, and it's completely up to you. And I think that I probably could use some more of that. <laughs> my <laughs> wife would say, "No, we're good where we're at. In fact, we might want to pull it back." And, and we had to have that conversation and say. I know you don't necessarily care about having fun money, but I do. I enjoy being able to spend money. It makes me feel good. Um, but I also want to work within the parameters of our budget. Um, and so kind of like, I like Chase's point, you know, the numbers don't lie. They, they either exist or they don't. The money has to come from somewhere. And if you're going to raise the category that you're fighting for, then we have to pull the category somewhere else. So, if you, for instance, want to spend more on, uh, you know, entertainment every month and Chase disagrees with you, um, then you have to make the case of, well, you know, we can afford it, one, and two, it won't affect our goals, our savings, or, uh, or you know, paying off our house early or anything like that. Um, and three, that we're actually going to use it and both of us be able to enjoy it or um, that, there shouldn't be a reason for us not to do it. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great example. And, and why I, I mentioned about like the numbers don't lie because mm -hmm. the, it is a very, a lot of things in relationships are not clear cut and, and there's, there's, best practices and good ways to communicate, but there's a lot of different situations, a lot of emotions, a lot of that. Everyone has different background, but when it comes to just purely finance, it's zeros and ones and, and it's right. numbers. And, and so if you can take the, the guesswork and all the, the complications of emotion and all that out of it and just form, like, it's not even forming a budget, just itemize what you're spending first, then that's a very clear, factual document that then you can move forward from and you could bring in the complicated stuff of what we've talked about, like communicating around it, your relationship to money. But just from personal experience, if you're with Sarah and I, if you're trying to have conversations about money without that, then it, it sometimes it, it's okay, but it's just, it can be almost counterproductive because you each might have your opinion and, and what you want to do. But if the, if the money's not there, then it doesn't really matter. Or if it, you know, yeah, I guess if the, if the money's right there, not there, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and so just yeah. to have those two things almost coinciding with each other, um, it's going to be a, a much more productive conversation. And I wanted to mention, and I'm, I'm sure you use these tools with your clients, but there's plenty of apps out there to help you budget on your phone and, and, you know, certainly forming it initially and then keeping track, um, to be able to, to stay on top of it and then not have that be an issue as well, that you're not keeping track of the budget and because it's easy to form a budget, I guess, in the beginning, but then are you staying on top of it? Are you checking back in? Uh, things change, right? Money goes up, money goes down, um, as far as your income and, uh, or maybe there's more debt. So just staying on top of that conversation, because I know just from personal experience too, is it's easy to to have it and then forget about it for a f few months and then it might boil up in another argument. And it sometimes right. feels like you're back at square one. Absolutely. It's very important. It's very important to meet every, I tell normally for couples that they need to meet at the beginning every week to go over how much they've spent this week, what, um, and where, where they are in their categories. Uh, cause one of the, the other problems that I've noticed is that people will say they're, they have a budget and they may have a spreadsheet with all their, um, listed expenses and all these different things, but then they never track to actually see if they're staying within the budget. Um, and so there's no accountability and there's no, uh, there's no standard that they're, they're staying with. It, it's just kind of, yeah, we have it. We actually have it in our possession, but we may not be using it as the standard that we need to. To better explain the earlier point, 
I think that when you are creating that budget together, when you both see each other sacrificing and when you both are willing to sacrifice, uh, it makes it a lot easier to find those compromises. If only one person is doing all the sacrificing or neither person is willing to relent, then that is going to be a stalemate and it is going to be a, a problem. Um, and you have to ask yourself, what, what am I, am I really worried about? an extra $50 or a hundred dollars, uh, is that, is having this fight really worth that? Um, cause that's really what we're talking about is, you know, is $50 or a hundred dollars or $300. It's, you know, it's just money and, um, it doesn't necessarily have to, def- uh, create conflict all the time. We have definitely been guilty of not staying on top of the budget. So <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. And it and it's key, like like you said, it, it's uh, that that weekly check in, or maybe it's bi monthly, but whatever you decide, staying on top of it. And we are currently using uh, the Every Dollar app, but there's Mint, and oh, that's great. We'll we'll be sure to link to a few in the show notes and. And Russell, you've given Sarah and I some great tools that that we're going to apply to to our communication and, and certainly around our budget. So we appreciate you coming on. And why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and if there's anything you want to leave them with, and then we'll say goodbye. Awesome. Well, uh, my current website is uh, foundationscounselingpllc.com. Uh, my book is set to come out this December. Um, as long as everything goes as planned and, uh, it'll be on Amazon. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to get it into some bookstores. That'd be really great. Um, and so it's called sharing your heart, sharing your treasure, uh, and it'll be out this, this fall. Great. Well, we'll be sure to add uh, the link to your website in the show notes page and in the podcast description. And then as soon as your book is launched, uh, please let us know and, and we'll share it with our audience. Awesome. I appreciate it. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com